Oh shit, I don't have the tab open. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh and it's God. your turn. <laughs> I know, I know. I could try and do it on the fly. You probably could. Hello, and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly YA fantasy, except not lately, <laughs> through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. We do this because critique is our fangirl love language, and talking about books is pretty magical. I'm Jesse, And I'm Kelly. And this week we're discussing Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, which tells the story of Maggie, a young woman who has lost her family in the aftermath of the big flood. We'll get into it. And lost her mentor because of her clan powers. We'll also get into it. Um, now she's working with Kai to go on a mission for Coyote. Chaos ensues, as it always does. I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to put Chaos ensues in there. <laughs> it's my tagline now. <laughs> Oh my gosh, maybe we should make merch with chaos and Sue's. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> do it. Bookmarks, bookmarks. Initial, Initial reactions. reactions. <laughs> I really enjoyed this book. I really liked Maggie and Kai, and it was really fun to see um, a cast of characters who are all indigenous. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily say this is a YA book because it kind of felt like there was a lot of graphic violence, but I think it could be good for an older teen. And obviously I think adults would enjoy it as well because I enjoyed it and I think I'm an adult. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? Trail of Lightning, I'm going to say is right up there towards the top of my best of 2021 list. I listened to the audiobook, which unfortunately is only available on audio audible. Boo. Same, same. Um, I loved the characters. I love the pacing, the magic and the folklore. The world building is phenomenal. I agree that it's not YA. The author's website doesn't list it as YA either. Um, Yeah, but I think the publisher listed as YA. (laughs) Yeah, and it comes up on some lists sometimes, but I'm like... And the cover is very YA. It is. It it is like the, you know, the main protagonist with their their lightning Power pose. Power pose, exactly. Apocalypse chic. What did they call it? What did they call it? Scary chic? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> At one point in the not, she's like dressing up or whatever, and it's scary. Oh chic. yeah, yeah. I agree that it's not YA. I wouldn't call it that. But I guess it's like kind of Buffy the Vampire esque, which was a show I think for teens. Oh, that so is maybe... a good like watch alike. Yeah, hmm. I didn't put it on the list, but let's just. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, go on. <laughs> Regardless of like genre lines or whatever i think the protagonist is 19 18 so mm-hmm. like we don't we know that that doesn't categorize things genre wise yeah i want the next book yesterday please okay well get on it <laughs> recommend if you like okay i added like all indigenous things to this list <laughs> which then i specifically was like i need to add some things that aren't that I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't want to like, okay, but I think if you like The Marrow Thieves by Sherry Demoline, um, and you're interested in indigenous stories about the end of the world, you'll like this book. Um, I didn't really like The Marrow Thieves that much, but if you like, I don't, I don't really read a lot of like apocalypse end of the world stuff, so um, that might have to do with it, but um, either way, you yeah, might that, also like that book. That more treads the sci-fi line, which you stay yeah. usually the fantasy side. Yeah, for sure. Um, Reservation Dogs on Hulu, which scatters in some indigenous stories and is set in the modern day. Um, it's directed by Taika Waititi. Also, um, like all the main characters are indigenous. Um, Bill Burr is also in it, which was <laughs> odd and very <laughs> funny. Um, 
but it's a really good show and it has some of like those magical elements in there um and then alats away by darcy little little badger which we read really recently for the show um i think would be like a good companion read for like younger readers who are kind of into this like monster fighting badass main character 100 percent. i love that you put mm-hmm. those two together as a companion read yeah i really liked alats away <laughs> same same I would say more gen. I kind of mine are like a little bit broader. If you're into monster hunting stories generally, this is what like your comment of Buffy made me think mm-hmm. about. Um, then I think you'll like Trail of Lightning. It's got that like paranormal mystery aspect to it, and then also it gave me very like Mad Max Fury Road vibes. I don't like badass MC who's like got her shot, her like sawed off shotgun yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And now that you say it, I'm like picturing. Like these characters in that movie, and like I in her Mad truck, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. so good, so good. They're making another one, Amazing. another Mad Max. Anna Taylor Joy, very excited. Why do we choose this book, Jesse? Um, I think because I read Black Sun last year, or maybe it's this year. I don't remember when I read it. I think it was this year. Oh, I need to add it to our my top books of twenty twenty one. I read it when it came out with my book club and then Deanna, who is a listener of the show and a Patreon member and an IRL friend, <laughs> said the Trail of Lightning was also really good. So since we're always at looking to add more diverse voices and especially indigenous stories to the podcast, I thought this might be a good book. And thanks, Deanna, for the wreck, because you were right. <laughs> Thank you. Time to talk world building in Through the Wardrobe. So it kind of feels like the end of the world in this book. The reservation is surrounded by these huge walls that were erected by one of the gods, and those walls saved them from the big flood, which wiped out everyone else. It's a weird, like, different take on the idea of walls, which I think we've heard a lot about in, like, the general discourse in the last (laughs) five or six years. Yes. Um, But, like, walls as a form of protection from, like, climate and, like, you know, bad white people (laughs) is to keep the whites out. BWPs. (laughs) Exactly. So like the, the premise is that like the big water came and, and like the, the land is Dineta, right? Which is the form Mm -hmm. was formerly the reservation, the Navajo reservation. Mm -hmm. And it's like this bastion of, I don't know, some, of some semblance of like life outside Mm -hmm. of and then it we get the sense that outside of the walls is this like no man's land chaos place apocalypse world which i read that that's where the second book starts oh is outside of the wall interesting i just assumed it was surrounded by water (laughs) this whole time i was like the ocean is it an island like i don't know do they boat around um i just which funny is that like when i was on this trip recently i watched san andreas that like movie with Dwayne the rock johnson was on and they're Mm -hmm. like boating around in the city because of the Mm. tsunami or whatever so Mm -hmm, mm kind of made me think of that um on this like apocalypse vibe note maggie puts on fingerless gloves at one point and this is quintessential gear apocalypse gear that shows up in pretty much every apocalypse movie or show that you if you're looking for it you'll find it it's hilarious it shows up in science fiction it shows up like everywhere it's so funny which is also weird because i don't feel like it would be like that useful like the point of gloves is to cover your finger <laughs> right but you have to look badass and i think yeah. it's maybe it's more of the aesthetic or like are you riding a bike or i don't does it 
I don't know. I I really don't know the the use of the fingerless glove. Yeah. But anyway. I guess you can't like have mittens, you know, you know the mittens <laughs> where they come down. Like that doesn't look as badass. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Gloves. And you know what is even less badass? The gloves that I have that are mittens and gloves together. And so they're gloves yeah. and then you have a mitten flap <laughs> that can go over your gloves. <laughs> yeah, we're turning into old ladies, so I'm like whatever keeps me most comfortable is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> We also get like a lot of oral storytelling in the book. Stories are passed down like in like in the um, on the reservation and between characters and older characters. But we also have like this one point where Kai is at the library that is like, you know, basically gone, like nothing's really there. And he's like listening to the stories um, on CD players, <laughs> which I'm starting to realize people will not know what that is in like <laughs> 10 years time, <clears throat> um, which is. Oh, I feel hurt. Um, but I really like that because I do think um, reservation libraries are like a different kind of library than, um, you know, libraries off, off the re- outside of the reservations. Um, and so they probably do a lot of like keeping track of stories and making sure that's not getting lost and a lot of like archiving of language and stories. So I really enjoyed that aspect as a person with a master's degree in library science. I was like, oh, I just love this library aspect so much. Their function Um, is incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. How do we keep those stories going and like keep them alive when there's like no one who remembers them anymore? So I just really like that aspect a lot. Yeah. And how do we keep them accessible to other people, you know, so they can keep going on? Especially as people like start to lose their languages through generations, you know, that can become more and more difficult. Um, I think Duolingo talked about, like, I see it come up on my Duolingo a lot where like more people are learning Navajo or learning like um, Hawaiian indigenous languages and it's helping those languages not to be lost, which is like really cool. Let's discuss all things magic. One of the things that I love most about this book is the plethora of monsters and ghosts and like paranormal figures, gods, pretty much. They are related to folklore, I imagine. That's what I gathered. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because like it's not so. So then like to what degree can you say it's fictional? Mm -hmm. You know, it's more like Mm -hmm. inspiration that's used in a fiction story or like part as part of the world building in the magical system. Like we would see taken from any, I don't know, like fairy lore mm-hmm. from Europe or whatever. Or like um, the Orisha in children of blood and bone, yeah. like based on real things and like put into another story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like traditions almost. Yeah. Stories passed down, which is really cool way to like set the story. <laughs> We also have the Holahani. I don't know if any of these words are spelled right because I listened to the audio, but, um, which are the clan powers. So this is what lets Maggie fight monsters. She's got like a killer, a killer in power. Yeah. <laughs> and then it gives Kai the ability to compel people. And then his eyes turn silver when he's like using his powers or whatever, which I was just like, oh my God, that's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> Um, so then there's like different clans who have different powers. We saw like, I now I don't remember Mose or something, the cat woman uh-huh. at the like fighting ring, which also was really cool. Um, like she, like when, 
when Maggie has the stuff on her eyes that makes it so she can see things kind of like um, fairy rings um, in fairy stories um like she looks like a cat which was like so cool to me i was like i want to be part of that clan (laughs) (laughs) i am a cat woman (laughs) i am a cat woman and they have like little mice hanging up because that's what like the domestic cats bring her as like gifts and i was just like oh i love this so much i I thought that part was hilarious like these are what my (laughs) children bring me i have it's Mm -hmm. like putting your children's artwork up on the (laughs) refrigerator (laughs) yeah exactly exactly Another reason why I want to keep reading because I want to learn more about Kai's big medicine. It just seems like he has so much power and like so many different kinds, like the mm -hmm. wind, like he can't create elements, but if they're there, he can manipulate them, which is badass. It's very Avatar, the last airbender. I watched like one episode, (laughs) which means you cannot judge it. Actually, I watched like three, so I'm out. (laughs) And apparently maybe Kai can come back from the dead. Like, what what i don't know i don't know because like maggie and um ta ta are like waiting for him at the end they're like let's wait together and i was like wait what he's coming back and then the synopsis the first sentence of the synopsis of the next book is kai and one of the other one of the glenacres were kidnapped and taken beyond the wall oh so all right he's alive I'm real excited about it. Oh, I like Kai. Um, and then we have Coyote, who like doesn't look like a coyote, but he does sometimes. Um, like when his like glamour starts to fail, <laughs> and he is just like a trickster, and yeah, just like a all around. You don't want to mess with him, but then like Maggie kills him at the end. And I don't know if he'll stay dead because he's like a magical being, like maybe kind of like similar to like a demigod. Yeah. But I was like, man, he's causing all kinds of problems. Well, and it seems like these gods could then become corporeal after the um, big water. So mm-hmm. like during the sixth world, which is like the name of the series, which I learned for researching for this recording. <laughs> He's such a morally gray character. I loved it. He was even more, what's the word? I don't know what modifier I'm looking for, but just like, he, he reminded me of Loki. You oh, know, the like tr- mischievous. Yeah, exactly. Mischievous and self-serving, <laughs> but mm-hmm. also like not like completely evil. Like just but not just completely chaos. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Loki, that's a good that's a good comparison. I like that one. Yeah. I follow like some indigenous creators on on TikTok and uh, like stories about coyote come up sometimes. So it was also really interesting to see that in, you know, like a different setting. Um, it was really cool. Totally. <laughs> and coyote can travel by lightning. That was so cool. That was awesome. Like, so badass. I'm like finally like a better. <laughs> yes, like Thor. <laughs> And at finally, a better alternative to apparating by mm-hmm. she who shall not be named. <laughs> yes, now we travel by lightning. <laughs> That's way cooler. Much, it is. much more panache, much more flair. Yeah, I am worried about what it'll do to my hair, but, you know. <laughs> fair point, fair point. We do what we gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to talk about conflict villains and good versus evil in our segment get me kylo ren so i guess coyote and nezrani both of them have caused all kinds of problems for maggie and i really hated 
Nasrani more because he abandoned Maggie and he was like still really possessive of her. I really only love a book boyfriend who is possessive, although I would not like that in real life. Um, but what, only when it's with like the consent of their partner, like you don't get to be this much of a jackass and like abandon someone. Like I just really hated Nasrani. So I'm going to put him above Coyote and he's like a God or whatever, but I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> I, I really liked that how the exposition in that scene with Coyote in her trailer and how he's riling Maggie up and mm-hmm. like telling the story and kind of like revealing her like internal f- her like fears and desires and her like dark twisty insides, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just the way that he like provoked her. Yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. And then he like lied to her about like what the mission was all about. And then he exactly. And he was the one making the ghost people like the yeah. zombies spirits. The, all, the monsters. Whole time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Be- and then also he's the one who orchestrated her grandmother's death. Yeah. Okay. So Coyote's still bad, but like I still hate Nizrani the most. <laughs> I'm worried he's going to come back though. Both of them. I mean, it's in all likelihood. I don't think we've seen the last of them. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. this book is asking a lot of questions about monsters like what makes a monster and like who qualifies as one like is maggie is struggling with this a lot both internally like coming to terms with herself and her own powers and whether it's like a gift or not like the Mm -hmm. powers of violence and killing aren't necessarily evil or bad it kind of depends on how you use them and so kai has a specific agenda when he's talking with her about this because he wants to change her into someone who doesn't kill right Mm -hmm. but i think we see maggie coming into her own throughout the course of the book yeah this is like one of those core wounds like am i bad because my mentor abandoned me like am I so bad that he even this monster hunter deity like can't Mm -hmm. even stomach the thought of me yeah yeah I really felt bad for Maggie like surrounding this whole issue because I think her grandmother's dying and her not being able to do anything about it plus the abandonment from this Ronnie like all of those things mixed together to make her feel really bad about what she was able to do even though like obviously we see when um she's like trying to help protect like those kids um from you know like the bar mm-hmm. like Clyde and I don't remember the other one's names the Glen Acres <laughs> yes thank you you can use those powers to help protect people you don't have it's not like you're killing innocent people and she's not you know no. she's doing it to help people she doesn't even kill the stupid law dogs when they <laughs> cause all these problems for her I'm like you could <laughs> that was restraint right there I know impressed Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability, etc. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. So we have an all-Indigenous cast of characters. That's correct, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, well, what I... Oh, go ahead. Um, I think the, the people who are indigenous are called Diné, right? And then they can like recognize each other and that's when they're giving like, like who they're born for, born for mm-hmm. and their clan names and stuff. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it seems like we had some mixed, some like multiracial or biracial mm-hmm. folks. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're, I don't oh, know if they were sense. like black Danae uh-huh. or not. And I don't know, were the law dogs Danae also? I assume so, but I'm not sure. I assume that everyone there was because it seemed like the reservation had been kind of like walled off, you know? And yeah. I don't think there are very many non-Indigenous people living on reservations. Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't any, but, you know. But what I really liked about it being an all-Indigenous cast of characters, one, because we don't get that enough in the books that we read, um, but also because, like, there's good and bad characters, even within the group of indigenous care like indigenous characters um because i sometimes feel like if we had gotten this book from the perspective of someone who's not indigenous they would make sure every person who was not of the race that they were so like the indigenous characters would all be good and like nothing bad would happen to them and i enjoy stories that show like the full range of like human emotion and human action even within a small group of people like i don't think we should just like make every villain should not be like a white person and a whole cast of black books or whatever because like there are black people who do bad things too does that make sense yes completely and maggie and kai even have this conversation in -hmm. the book itself when they're talking about like the water barons and different things that have happened kai makes this comment that greed is universal you know there's Mm -hmm. not that doesn't discriminate yeah. based on race or whatever other socially constructed <laughs> divisions we've imposed on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I really appreciate it for that. And then I guess along those lines, we have the law dogs. So, you know, we have real shitty police officers in every community. <laughs> Policing is just not the answer. Which is funny because in like the um, reservation dog show, like the law, like the, they actually have a name for them. I forget what they call them, but like, the reservation police officer that we spend the most time with is like not a good police officer. <laughs> he's so <laughs> ineffectual and like on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like letting people go and stuff if it's like not a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, that probably should be how it works in real life. <laughs> like there's a w- different ways of talking about community safety mm-hmm. versus like this weird fear mongering obsession that we have with the idea of security, you know, and parentalism, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then we see that Maggie has some very stereotypical ideas of what queerness should look like. And I think this is good because like all care, like everyone has flaws. So good to show it. But I was just like surprised that she would think this. Like she was like, oh, if you're a gay man, then you must you can be into makeup and like drag stuff. But like you can't be a good fighter and into guns and cars and stuff. And I'm like, what (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's getting her mind blown a little bit and Mm -hmm. what is it his name clive i keep thinking it's cletus but it's definitely not cletus (laughs) i think i thought it was clyde like c-l-y-d-e okay that person but i also only heard it so he's blowing he's blowing maggie's mind he's like contradict i'm full of contradictions yeah yeah and it was funny too because i think you know they don't have tv and I don't think that they have very much access to like books and stuff because of like the flood and everything. So you also don't get like these depictions. So wherever the world was when the big flood happened is probably her idea of what queerness looked like in popular culture at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's weird to think about how like you could kind of get stuck in time without like media consumption. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting. So anyways, I was just like, Maggie, get get with the times. We can be whatever we want to be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about sexuality, asexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. I just loved Kai from the moment he walked in. And I just, like, <laughs> don't know how anyone could feel otherwise. Like, there's just something about him that I was just like, yes, please. <laughs> so charming. And everyone, like, says that about him throughout the the mm-hmm. story. Uh, Yes. I completely agree. And then Kai and Maggie. I love this ship. The we have the grouch and the sunshine mm-hmm. again. But opposite than what we normally get. Exactly. Like, you know. Exactly. Gender roles swapped. Uh-huh. And like the banter, the slow burn, the chemistry, very well done. Oh, and then when she like kind of has um so like content warning for her talks about like sexual assault, like she, like Nezrani had kind of like forced himself on her in the fighting ring and I think this happens afterwards and then like her and Kai are like kissing or whatever but she kind of like obviously has like a flashback and is like kind of like starts to shut down like Kai is like really like receptive to that and he's like we don't have to do anything you don't want to which I know is like the lowest of low bars it really is (laughs) but it has to be pointed out because the bar is so low yes and just Um, how he he picks up on it with mm-hmm. nonverbal communication, yeah. you know, he can tell by her energy and like, mm-hmm. yeah, just how she feels different. Yeah. So low bar, but also <laughs> I appreciated that aspect of the story. Yes. More points for Kai. More points for Kai. I guess there's not really any other ships. There's like family relationships with the, would you say the Glen Acres? Yeah. I really enjoyed seeing that. That was an interesting family dynamic going on there. That matriarch yeah. was cool. Yeah, I really liked her a lot. She was a badass. I mom. appreciate how she's just like a, ha- a haven for criminals because she hates the police. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> now we're going to talk about writing style, narration, characterization, plot structure, and other things, bigger and better things, whatever else comes to mind in a segment called Kill Your Darlings. Okay, I wrote this huge long thing um, that came up in my book club when we read Black Sun way back when, whenever that was, maybe in January. So this should be noted uh, that there has been some pushback from some indigenous groups about Trail of Lightning, and I'll link to a couple of articles um, that I read about the issue. But the gist of it is, is that Rowan Horse is not sorry is not Navajo and she's not from a federally recognized tribe. Um, obviously, I can't speak to those issues um, because. I'm not indigenous, but what I feel like comfortable saying is that being federally recognized should not be the only thing that makes someone indigenous. Um, it feels weird to me, I guess. And like, it's a lot of work to go through the government to be federally recognized as a tribe. Um, lots of reading you all can do about that history. Um, and this, and the history of this country has shown that like, that's not the best way to do it. Um, additionally, Rowan horses half black and anti-blackness abounds in every community, including black communities. So I'm a little skeptical, but I'm also not indigenous. So I can't speak to the in- issues of appropriation in any way because I'm not a fil- familiar with the cultural practices of the many, many indigenous tribes. Um, based on some of the critiques I read, perhaps if the book had come with a content warning regarding the violence in the story, there would have been less pushback. But like I said, you can read some of the articles if you're interested or if you have any advice for navigating this issue I would love to hear it just because I'm not super familiar with the subject matter but you know we take appropriation pretty seriously I would say on the podcast so I don't really know what to think about the whole thing 
Yeah. Thank you for saying this, <laughs> having this long, <laughs> my long <laughs> diatribe. Yeah, exactly. And, and for looking up the articles, it seems like white people get to do whatever the fuck they want. So I know I, which I, one of the articles did point out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, so exactly. You, you're very right about like, we got to stay in our lane and we can't really speak to the issues of appropriation, but we're talking, mm-hmm. I think it's important that we talk about the fact that there have been, there is a larger conversation about it. Yeah. And it, and I, it, oh, go ahead. It, re- it reminds me of like, you know, Danielle Clayton has talked about like this, um, like why the own voices category is kind of problematic, you know, mm-hmm, because like mm-hmm. not just from like it, from like a LGBTQ, like sexual, like gender, sexuality mm-hmm. perspective, like sometimes people aren't out when they're writing, yeah. you know, and but I, so this kind of reminds me of that, you know, like we can't say it's own voices, but also to what extent is own voices helpful? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because Debbie Reese Myers, um, Sorry, I don't think it's Myers. It's just Debbie Reese. Um, she uh, has a blog, and one of the articles comes from her blog. Um, and she talks a lot about Indigenous issues and Indigenous books for young people. And she had originally given this book like a glowing review, like a really good one. Um, and then having heard back from some people who are Navajo, she rescinded that. Um, so it's kind of hard also because like someone did give this book a good review. And obviously, your people can change their minds that is not an issue yeah but um from her standpoint at least originally it was a good representation and because it um because Rebecca Rowanhorse isn't from a federally recognized tribe I feel like it might be harder to know if some of the things that she incorporated in the books came from her own culture or from others so and you know it's just like a very hard situation to navigate so I just don't really know but I just wanted to like put it all out there and if anyone has any advice or comments or whatever, I would love to hear hear um, from some other perspectives. The conversation continues. <laughs> I already mentioned this earlier, but this is book one of a series called The Sixth World. Book two is already out, published in 2019, called Storm of Locusts. There are two more books listed, but they're both untitled, three and four. Can't wait to see what happens next. Yay, me too. <laughs> Before we end, it's time for Real Talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way, or did it make you interrogate a concept system or trend that you hadn't before? No. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse says no. (laughs) Kelly? (laughs) One of the main points that stuck out to me is this this whole conversation about gifts, as in what your particular talents or skills are, and having to figure out what those are as being part of your journey and then how to use them as being this other part of your journey. And then you kind of come to your purpose. And I'm like, I just wish it were a little easier to figure all that shit out. But then I also have to believe that there's someone there to give me a purpose and that there is an like ordained purpose for me. And I just don't think I'll get like, I don't think I'm there. (laughs) So, um, too much of a chaos kitty. Yeah. <laughs> but this does come up a lot in YA. Like, you know, what is your destiny? What were you born to do? And Those are some big shoes to fill, you know? It just feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's too much. 
And I get like that it's coming from this like be yourself, be mm-hmm. authentic to what you feel drawn to and, and you know, you don't hate yourself. Yeah. For like wh- who you are and what you do, but I don't yeah. know. It's it's I'm glad that you connected it back to like the larger conversation that happens <laughs> because <laughs> I think these are those sorts of individuation questions that are getting asked at mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20 years yeah. old. But like, I don't know. I feel like we are, we keep asking them. Maybe, Maybe like puts less pressure on young people to read these stories because they're like, well, I'm not like destined to like save the world or something. So like the pressure is a little lower <laughs> for me. Like, it kind of makes you feel better about like whatever you feel like you're supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe young people need to feel like, a strong sense of purpose and that's i'm not saying that's wrong i don't know what the answer is i keep saying young people and i'm like i'm young <laughs> <laughs> i'm not <laughs> yeah but maybe this is helpful in some way i don't know i think also like our gifts can be different at different times depending on our yeah. capacity and our circumstances yeah that's a good point it's not always like this huge overarching thing like you're destined to save the world maybe you just meant to bring joy into people's lives or offer help in some way. I don't know. Support a friend during a hard time or whatever you got to (laughs) do. Exactly. I think our gifts change depending on the season. I like that. That's good. (laughs) Are we ready for card questions? Or high tech sound effects? Yes. I've hit the mic like five times today. I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. I'll just cut it out. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey here. <laughs> this is an easy question. So we're going to do this one and then we'll do another one. Which okay. character would you most like to know in real life? Kai. Exactly. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. I'm um, also Ta though. Cause I, I think sometimes as an older person now I'm an older person um I didn't spend a lot of time with my grandparents because they um are dead um so it it would be kind of nice to have that like older person like perspective and knowledge of the world so and Todd just seems like so sweet like an old grandpa and I really like that (laughs) I love that yes I spent a lot of time with both of my grandmothers and it's Mm -hmm. just was nice to have them teach you things and just I don't know just be surrounded by the love and acceptance it's great yeah um, and also, I don't know, I'm practically an old person on the inside. Yeah, yeah. you're getting there. You're not that far <laughs> off from me anyways. <laughs> Does the book end the way you expected? No, not at all. I didn't think it would end on like kind of a cliffhanger. I didn't think we'd see Ta back. And I definitely didn't think that Kai would die and then be able to come back. And I didn't think Coyote would be the, you know person causing all the problems (laughs) what about you can I just piggyback on what you said yeah of course okay yeah (laughs) that's what I'm gonna say (laughs) okay are the major themes in this story relevant to your life Mm. I mean the whole gifts thing I think is relevant Mm -hmm. and I think I'm a person who struggles a little bit with self-confidence like on the inside I don't think people can see it from the outside I think I do a very good job at hiding it (laughs) um so I can kind of like relate to Maggie in that way and like her trying to like come into herself and like 
be who she's meant to be or like who she wants to be and kind of like figuring out who that person is that you want to be i don't know Ah, oh, I Thank love that you, there got, you go. went to the deep cuts. Thank you. <laughs> you did it for me. You're so welcome. I did it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Library Coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Fireborn by Rosaria Munda. As always, we'd love to be in conversation with you, magical folks. Let us know what you think of the episode, anything we missed, or just say hi by dropping a line in the comments or by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Library Coven. You can subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice, wherever you listen. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show. Maybe we should do some sort of like giveaway or something for people who review, put reviews on the show. I have like idea. hella books that I need to give away, so... <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> or i can make some art or something anyway let us know what you think anyway where was i oh yeah you're supposed to spread the word that would be great please recommend us to a friend if you're able to support our labor financially you can make a one-time donation to us on coffee and you can also support us monthly on patreon for a dollar or more a month pay what you can and you can also shop at our bookshop.org affiliate page until next time stay magical 